Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Christmas time is here. Well, it seems like it's getting earlier and earlier. Uh, I want to talk to you about Christmas creep today. And joining me is Brent Snyder. Thanks for being here with us. And Chris Shumate. Welcome back, brother. Thank you. So I'm going to air this episode on Thanksgiving Day. That's when it's going to hit the uh, podcast here. So some people are going to lose their minds when they see this. But let us explain, first of all, what Christmas creep is. Christmas creep is not that one weird uncle or cousin that you have in your family, right? It's, it's not that. It is a, it's a term that's been developed since the mid-1980s to describe what merchandisers are seeing as a Christmas trend of decorating and Christmas celebration before the traditional start of holiday shopping seasons or of uh, holiday um, decoration, which, you know, there's lots of argument on social media. When do you put up your tree? When don't you put up your tree? When do you play Christmas music? When don't you play your Christmas music? You know, I, I sent Matthew Jacobs, too bad he's not on here. I sent him a, a quick video that, you know, it was a picture of some emo kids. And it said, emo kids are the only thing that hold the line from Christmas taking over the entire calendar, referring to Halloween, you know, being the only holiday that keeps Christmas from just taking over all the other ones. Uh, and I think it's interesting this year, I think Christmas creep is probably the strongest it's been in my memory, because here locally, we have a radio station who is playing Christmas music before how, before Thanksgiving. They usually didn't start playing until they took a, a vote online somehow. I think it was a fair election, very fair, and all the ballots were counted properly. <laughs> all the mail-in ballots and everything were counted properly. And uh, so why is it that there is a fixation? Why is there this continual Christmas creep that we have seen, this seasonal Christmas creep, uh, and why particularly has it, does it seem like it is more so this year than in previous years, brother? Well, I think this year in particular has been obviously very challenging for a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And so they're just sort of desperate for some happiness and some some joy and something that seems comfortable and familiar uh, with everything that's been so up in the air. So I think that's that's maybe what's accelerated it a bit this year. Uh, but I think there are probably reasons that go just beyond that as well. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. You know, too, I guess Christmas brings some sense of normalcy in a year where there's not been any normalcy. <laughs> um, so celebrating Christmas is something we've done every year. I don't know that it's going to look normal. I mean, even at Thanksgiving, you know, people are being encouraged to limit their gatherings and things like that. But it's just a chance to do something that feels feels normal to people something that they're they're comfortable with in a year where we've not really had much of that yeah i'll also just say i think on a maybe a more negative side a negative reason for christmas creep is that a lot of people even in a what we might call more normal year get really stressed around the holidays and feel a, a real financial burden with all the gifts and things like that and so they they feel the need to start early and to, to get, you know, presents bought and 
decisions made and travel plans arranged early so that it doesn't all fall, you know, within those three or four weeks right before Christmas. So I think maybe that's not a, a very healthy reason for that, but it is a realistic reason. I think some people feel the need to get into Christmas before Thanksgiving. Oh, there's no doubt. One of the, uh, we need to go ahead and just acknowledge this. This is the elephant in the room with Christmas creep. There is a significant amount around Christmas creep that involves um, greed and merchandise sales. You know, as people have an opportunity to spend more money and merchandisers see that as an opportunity, people spend more money. But I don't think it's just that. I think that is a aspect of it, uh, but I don't think it's just that. Which brings me to kind of my next thing. Now, Chris, you've, you've been in music and, and, had, and you play guitar. You've had to lead worship at your church. And I think you've done that in other roles as well. What, what is it about Christmas music that you think people find so appealing that they want to hear it all the time? I mean, I've heard some people say, you know, gosh, I've, I've listened to Christmas music. I'm, you know, 50 years old. So I've listened to 50 months worth of Christmas music in my life. And it's the same thing every year. And I just don't want to hear it any earlier than I have to hear it. And other people say they want to hear Christmas in July. They want to hear it in November and October, you know, and people I've, I've visited homes here in East Tennessee where they've got Christmas trees up and Christmas music playing on Halloween night. So, you know, what, what is the, what is the draw there? You think? Well, I think in general, music is a very powerful thing it it's it's an emotional thing and so it's a good gift that god has given us that can be used for good or bad means and one of the the things that makes christmas music so powerful to people is that it has this emotional connection to nostalgia and and good memories and home and parents and grandparents that have since passed and just you know, the, the, the smells and the sounds and the sights and everything that they associate with the Christmas season. And so, and when you hear that song, whatever it may be, it kind of takes you back in time a little bit. I think that's one part of it. Um, but again, that, that's not necessarily bad. Music is a, is a good thing. And, and the fact that God has created the world with sound waves and, and the ability to have music in the air, that's an amazing thing. And so, we want to to use that well in a way that honors him. And so part of the challenge from, I think, our perspective in terms of church leadership and, and leveraging music during the Christmas season is to make sure that we sing good Christmas music <laughs> and not... Uh, what do you mean? There's not good? There's some Christmas music that's not good? What are you saying? Well, uh, maybe I won't mention any specifics, but, you know, we could say the same thing with other... Like, there, there's a lot of just you know, Christian music in general, that's really bad. So what do you uh, whether it's contemporary or hymns, uh, and Travis is wanting me to mention things to get in trouble here, I guess. I'll, I'll mention one that I've always found hilarious. There's a Broadman Holman uh, that was published several years back, I think in the seventies. And it was, uh, it's a white one. I think it's the white one. Y'all have that one. So we usually go by the colors of books for all you non-Baptists that are listening, which yeah. hymnal it is. God of earth and astronauts in space may be the worst hymn I've ever seen in my Praise life. Praise God. Well, anyway, look that? it up later. You can enjoy that little nugget on your own time, but we're talking about Christmas here. So yeah, go ahead. And so, you know, one of the things with Christmas music, there's this weird um, sort of syncretism that happens where you get like Santa and Jesus all mixed together. 
Uh, like just yesterday, I heard that one on the radio, like Santa Claus knows we're all God's children. That makes everything right. So like, that's just ridiculous, you know? And so um, we, we want to steer clear of that sort of thing and, and leverage the, the power, the emotional appeal, the nostalgia of Christmas music to draw people's affections to Jesus. So Chris, can we get you on the record that you do not think Santa Claus is a believer? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> again, I don't want to get in trouble here, but <laughs> I, I think we're already that, in trouble enough. Yes, aren't we? I have me and my wife got in, uh, we got in trouble at a previous church because our, our daughter who was about three at the time said something in the nursery about Santa not being real. <laughs> and, and the nursery worker scolded my wife very severely who uh, she was worried we were going to ruin Christmas for everybody. I think we know what to get you for Christmas. And that's a good old fashioned uh, Ebenezer Scrooge hat. and (laughs) Maybe, maybe even the Grinch mask. You can put that on the, the Grinch. No, we don't want to ruin, we don't want to ruin Christmas for anybody, but at the same time, we want to remember like, you know, it is about Jesus. So, (laughs) you know, a belief in Santa doesn't necessarily make it or break it. Uh, what about how can we how can we leverage this for the kingdom? You know, one of the things I think that people probably don't think about for pastors, because we think about it because we're pastors, but Christmas usually entails more work for us, right? Like the Christmas season is more work, right? What What are some of the things that ends up being more on our plate during Christmas? Well, you know, this is maybe less about what's on our, well, it'd be more about, it'd be about putting more stuff on our plate, but we're talking about the Christmas creep and the Christmas creep generally happens is happening in retail. I mean, like you said, this is a term that retailers use. Um, and while it seems like the Christmas season is getting longer because like Christmas candy sharing a shelf with Halloween candy. And I mean, that's like, that's evidence of the Christmas creep, but it's like, while the retail side is expanding, it's almost like we're narrowing to Chris's point, how much we talk about Jesus in the Christmas season. So there's a lot to do with like Jingle Bells and Rudolph and Grandma got run over by a reindeer and buying Christmas candy. And like Walmart started Black Friday sales like a month ago, you know, doing doing certain things on sale on Fridays for like a month. Maybe part of that's because of COVID. Um, but that's just to say that even though our, our plate is busy because we're trying to get together like Christmas dramas or candlelight services, we're doing fruit baskets or whatever else kind of ministry um, outreach our church is trying to do. It is more busy, but we really need to extend our busy season because retailers are extending the Christmas season. And so if we let them extend the commercialized side of Christmas while we continue to like crunch down the, the, um, the real meaning of Christmas, the, the Jesus side of Christmas, if, if you will, um, then if we're not careful, it's just in people's minds, the, the, the purpose of Christmas is just going to continue to be snuffed out. So even though it is a busy time with meals and everything else, generally, even though those things may not be happening because of COVID, we've got to figure out a way to expand those. Even if it is, you know, one thing I just saw as we were talking, as Chris was talking, even if it is with music, um, maybe, maybe you start singing 
Christmas songs and I'm and it I mean I guess it depends on your style of worship but like for me it's never too early to start like Matt Redman or Matt Mayer or some of those Chris Tomlin some of those Christmas albums like the Matt Mayer um, the advent of Christmas album is far and away my favorite and even just starting some of those songs earlier um, to get <clears throat> excuse me to get people in our churches thinking about Christmas and and what all this buildup is really about. Yeah, that's not to be confused with John Mayer, right? <laughs> Correct. So, uh, are there any other things we can do to take advantage of the Christmas creep as Christian leaders and respond to this phenomenon in a way that is edifying, encouraging, and perhaps even brings hope to those who are looking for hope? I think the more you, as Brent said, the more you just bring it back to Jesus. I mean, there are going to be a lot of people who are struggling this holiday season, every holiday season, uh, with, you know, loved ones not being there this year and that sort of thing. So if they're feeling hopeless, if they're feeling lonely, uh, that's an opportunity for us to reach out to them and show the, the love of Christ and the fellowship of the church. Um, if, if even with kids, you know, they are uh, all caught up in, in gift giving and receiving and even Santa, you know, that's an opportunity for us to talk about the, the best gift and, and why is it that we give gifts and what is this really all about? And, um, even, you know, I think it's, it's helpful to contrast that a bit. Like, what do you have to do for Santa to give you a gift? You got to be good, right? You got to have your name on the nice list. And, He's a creepy old man who sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake and he's going to, he's going to have you on the bad list if you mess up at all. But the good news is that God is a God of grace. And, and even though we're all on the naughty list, he's, he's good to us. And so just using those even small, you know, conversation starters as an opportunity to point people to the hope that's available, I think is one of the best ways we can do that is just being, mindful and ready for those opportunities when they come. I agree. And um, I think even through the Christmas season, we, with this year we have seen the need to be more and more online, more and more visual in social media. I really think we can take advantage as pastors and leaders of social media to place the gospel uh, and use Christmas as a springboard for the gospel. Uh, I'm planning to do some devotionals for my folks, and I'm going to put them on social media for them. They don't have to be long. I don't really recommend long social media videos. I think you need to cap that thing under five minutes. Two to three is really better. And if you can, I think people just, you know, they can get snippets here and there enough to pique interest and to plant seeds and hopefully to engage more. And you'd be surprised who all watches those things. You know, you, you do a video or something on social media, you don't know that it's going to have any impact at all. And then uh, much to your surprise, several, several weeks or months later, you'll have somebody come back and say, wow, that was really helpful, really important. Um, another thing that I would say too, is that um, we need to take advantage of the traditions in our churches, right? So, you know, if you, I think we, someone brought up Christmas Eve. Did somebody bring up Christmas Eve service in here a minute ago? I think we did. Christmas Eve is an opportunity uh, to, to, um, to really use a tradition of the church and leverage that for, for the gospel. Because let's be honest, 
there's a lot of people who come on Christmas Eve who we don't see other times of the year. And we've got, you know, I've heard horror stories of people dealing with this. Um, You know, there's some people will call them CEOs, Christmas Easter onlys. (laughs) Uh, You know, they only show up twice a year. And I heard one pastor say in his church that he had a deacon got up and welcomed everybody back for Christmas. He said, so glad you all are here. So especially those who haven't been here since Easter, we want to welcome you back, especially just kind of, man, that's crash and burn, you know, embarrassing those people that hadn't done that. You don't know what God is doing and working or how he's working. You know, we want to make sure that we are greeting those people who have not been back in our body for some time, for whatever reason, with, uh, with a heart that is loving and reflective of Christ's command to love one another, right? We don't want to make them feel like huge jerks and heap guilt on their head uh, in a public and almost a shaming public manner by saying stuff like that. Wouldn't you brothers agree? Yeah. If you, if you, if you welcome people that way, that'll probably be the last time you ever welcome some people. (laughs) They're probably not coming back. Yeah. You always want to leave that, leave that relationship intact uh, to whatever degree it is so that you, have future opportunities to, to get them further down the road a little bit. And yeah, that sort of stuff can be annoying from a, from a leadership perspective and just frustrating as you deal with the same thing over and over. And, and I think we all have felt that from time to time, but don't let that personal frustration or irritation ruin an opportunity for the gospel. So. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's, I think we've covered a lot of it here. Is there anything else brothers you can think of of ways we can take advantage or any closing thoughts you'd like to share on this topic before we move on? I'll just say, I think we've put Santa Claus on notice. Um, we, we questioned, we, well, I, I shouldn't say we, cause I don't want to get in trouble for what Chris it was me, said. wasn't. It was me. It was you, Chris. <laughs> we questioned whether or not Santa Claus was a believer. And then you also called him creepy. So that is creepy. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows <laughs> when you're Claus has had a rough episode, guys. <laughs> so what you're saying is you feel like Christmas creep is not just a uh, merchandise. Santa is on, the Christmas creep. Santa is the Christmas creep. That's what we've landed on here. Is that where we're at? I'll tell, I'll break the news to my children. You know, actually, one, of my kids, me. one of my kids was freaked out by that idea. Like they were like, Dad, yeah. I don't think you should come in here. I don't think yeah. you should be in our house and i was like we we don't have to spend a lot of time on this but it might be helpful and i'm sort of asking this for for like i guess personal reasons but chris you mentioned like your kids in the nursery and santa claus and i mean with our kids we you know we're not we don't do santa claus like we don't make a big deal out of it that we're not doing santa claus we just kind of don't I mean, if someone, if someone asks like one of the kids, you know, what's Santa Claus getting you for Christmas? They're not, you know, they're not like, what are you talking about? Nothing. There's no Santa Claus, (laughs) you know? And and so, I mean, how, how do you guys handle that? If you do do Santa Claus or if, I mean, Chris, obviously you guys don't, um, how do you just sort of, how do you handle your kids knowing that they're going to be like at church and around other kids that may be that's a good question. And it is really tricky. Obviously we haven't always handled it uh, well since our daughter said what she said in the three-year-old nursery one Sunday, but um, we, we've, 
we've never like taught them about Santa. And as they've grown and, and started to just ask, who is Santa? What's that about? We just kind of say it's a game that a lot of families play. Santa was yeah. a, you know, there was a historical figure who would bring presents and, and bless people. And so that's turned into this, this legend, this game that parents play and kids, and we don't want to ruin the game for anybody else. We don't want to spoil the fun. So, you know, if you have friends that talk about Santa, you can just kind of say, that's cool. I hope it, I hope it gets you what you want. You know, you can play along with it, but we don't want you to, uh, to ruin the fun, but just know it's, it's not, it's not something we do as a family, just because, as I said earlier, uh, if, if it really is about Jesus, we don't want to distract from that. So, but again, my parents did Santa with me and my brother and, you know, we turned out fine. It didn't ruin (laughs) us or anything. And, and if there are other people who do that, that's great. I'm not going to, you know, speak bad about that or anything. It's just a, a decision that we made and we are, we are very, very fine with other parents making another decision. Yeah. Well, there, there is one pagan on here. We do Santa Claus at the Tower yeah. household. And so uh, we have one that, that knows like I, I, my oldest son knows, but he has fun playing along. It's like, it's okay. like, a, so the other two, I think the other two know, but we've never had the sit down formal conversation about it. And the way I explain, in a way I've always explained it is now, listen, Jesus is the most important thing about Christmas. And I, you know, we've got nativity scenes all over the house. Like we've got main, we've ever since they were real small, we, we bought one of those play manger scenes for like little, little kids that they could like pick the pieces up and we would talk to them about it and how important it was. And then this year I built like a stable in my front yard and I've got the nativity as the main, you know, the main display. I've got a little bitty Santa Claus over on the corner of my porch and the nativity is big and, and front stage, you know, uh, much to my disappointment though, I had a hard time finding a biblically and culturally correct colored Jesus and Joseph and Mary. All the ones I found were like white with blonde hair, except for Joseph. They gave him at least brown brown beard and brown hair but uh, I thought about painting it but then I was going to mess up some of the details so I just left it for now until I find something better but the main point being again highlighting and stressing that and you know it didn't damage my son like when he found out he was just kind of like you know I kind of thought that was the case you know Uh, he said but I want to help you guys put out presents and I want to help eat the cookies and do all that stuff so you know so we let him we he goes to bed when they go to bed but then he gets back up and helps us so it actually works out better for me because i get to sit on the couch a little longer you know what i mean and just watch my wife and my son do most of the work of santa claus <laughs> eat those santa cookies right yeah, so, <laughs> more cookies and milk so anyway but uh but it's been a fun thing for our family and my wife's family they didn't do it growing up my family did so that's just something that we we just decided to do, and I don't think it breaks children like some say it does, you know. So. No, no, I, I would never say that. I would not go that far in any way. It's just, again, the way we've, we've as a family chosen to do it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, my, my parents did Santa Claus, and I still love Jesus, so it's <laughs> amazing, isn't it? So. All right, well, guys, I think this is it. This has been a good episode on Christmas creep and making the most of Christmas, and finally we figured out who the true Christmas creep was. Thank, thank you, Chris. For, for landing that and figuring that out for us. Uh, join us next time. And uh, we, we hope that you'll find these episodes beneficial for you as a church leader or pastor, as we talk about revitalization and all things related to ministry here 
in Appalachia. One last thing I will say, those of you who are considering not doing those Appalachian Christmas treat bags, that's a cultural thing here. Like we talked about it, they still want to do it here, even in the middle of the pandemic. So we're still going to have those Appalachian Christmas treat bags. That's a thing unique to here. No, no at Oak Street. I'm seeing that no, not over there at Chris's church. So anyway, all right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you being on. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.